This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. It's a beautiful Sunday morning this morning, Naz, and I hope you turned your clocks back this morning because it's 9 a.m. right now. So to all our listeners, it's we're back on Eastern Standard Time, so hopefully you've uh, changed the clocks. How are you this morning, Naz? Great, Wally. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Uh, are you back on the bandwagon? The Leafs, of course. <laughs> never came off of it. We had an interesting week. Uh, you know, last Sunday morning we were here and uh, it wasn't looking good. We got pummeled by the Boston Bruins the the uh, the Saturday before and uh, three big wins this week. Uh, how'd they turn it around? Yeah, they played uh, two, uh, while well, a weak team in Buffalo against uh, Buffalo in Toronto and then they went to Columbus who was injury riddled. But they deserve to win both games. And they played really well last night. Dion Phaneuf had his best game as a Maple Leaf last night. Anyways, just want to tell our listeners who we've got on tap for this morning. Uh, had to do a little bit of shuffling of the deck. But next up, uh, after the first commercial, will be Mike Fuda, the Vice President of Hockey Operations, Director of Player Development for the Stanley Cup champion, L.A. Kings. Uh, he's got a busy morning this morning dealing with some stuff. But he'll be with us shortly uh, after uh, Mike Fuda. will be talking to Steve Shutt. Uh, uh, Montreal Canadian Hall of Famer and uh, well-remembered in the local Toronto circles in his fantastic days with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, certainly brings back a lot of memories. And in the house this morning, back back visiting us, Sean Clement, our, our, our golf, uh, I call you our golf guru. Welcome back, Sean. Uh, it's great to see you. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about an interesting new golf venture that you're working with, with Connor O'Shea of Piper's Heath, and uh, we'll have you down at the at the bottom of the hour. So we're certainly looking, talking to our listeners about your new initiative, Million New Golf. We'll t- be talking about that. Well, the big story again, uh, Naz, uh, the Leafs, a uh, couple of um, uh, great goaltending performances, certainly from Reimer last night, stood on his head in the third period uh, against a uh, one of the top our top two, top three teams in the NHL, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, you made a comment that you thought Phaneuf uh, played a great game last night, and you've got this new young guy that you're thrilled about, uh, uh, Carrick. Tell me a little yeah, bit. Sam Carrick, is a, uh, a, uh, he played AAA hockey with the Toronto Red Wings, and he's a feisty player. He's a very tough player, and he's really good in the face-off circle. So I think he should be should be able to stick around on this team. Uh, they could use a fourth line center, and he's the perfect fit. He draws penalties, and he's very tough in the offensive and defensive zone. And um, 
One thing we talked to, we, we talked to Joe Bowen last uh, Sunday, and we asked him what he thought um, the Leafs were going to look like this year, and he mentioned, uh, he mentioned his concern or uh, his, his observation that uh, he thought the Leafs would be inconsistent, and they certainly have been so far. So we're, uh, I think we're 6-4-1 or, or something like that. Yeah, 6-4-1. 6-4-1, three straight this week. They're off to the uh, West Coast this week. I think they've got Colorado, and I think they've got the Coyotes or That's Phoenix, right. Arizona, or whatever yeah. they're called nowadays. Uh, uh, consistency, are we going to see it from the Leafs at any point in time? Uh, we're going to go on a little run here. Uh, your thoughts, Ness? It might be a, a in-and-out type of season. They're going to lose a few, win a few, but uh, they'll be challenging for the last playoff spot. That's what I figure. Well, we're, and we, you know what? If somebody had told me that Toronto would be six four and one at this point, I'd be very happy with that record. You'd be happy with that. A um, couple of interesting. Uh, we're in ten games into the season, and I know after the first three or four, things were looking a little bit gloomy. Uh, and I made the comment, I said, let's wait till we're 15, 20 games in. We're 11 games in now, and um, Komarov, uh, I, I, was, I was always a big big Komarov uh, booster. I thought he brings a different element to this team, and you certainly see that from him. Uh, Boy, can he back Chuck. Yeah. He's an, a, a fierce competitor. You know, and when they, when, they, when they make these comments about European hockey players, the, the, the stereotypical, they're not talking about Leo Komarov. No, not at all. Not at all. This guy gets his nose dirty. Uh, he plays with passion, um, doesn't get pushed around, goes in the corners, throws his weight around. He's on the ice. You better keep your head up. Clarkson, my favorite. Uh, no, he's had I've a been pretty good very, year. He's had a pretty good year. I've been year. very, very critical of David Clarkson in the past. I will say I'm I am imp- I'm impressed by his turnaround. He's he's playing well, and uh, what do you attribute that to, Ness? I think it was just uh, getting a uh, good start of the season. Last year he was suspended for the first ten games, and uh, he goes and has training camp, and then gets suspended from the beginning of the year, and he never found his uh, game. Uh, he's uh, He's played really well this year. The and guy, the guy we got to watch is Joffrey Lupo. I'm not sure how much oh, longer he'll be around. Oh uh, well, he's he's certainly got uh, the injury bug, and this time he sort of fell uh, and injured his wrist. Anyways, we're we're about to go to commercial. We'll go. Uh, we'll be back with Mike Fuda. But before we do so, I want to announce our contest for this morning. Uh, we had the the contest, similar contest, a couple of weeks back, went over really well. Uh, we're giving away a hundred dollar gift card. At Scruples Hair and Salon, uh, we got a lot of calls for this one. And uh, let me tell you guys, if you want to score that point with that special someone, email somebody a gift card to Scruples Salon and Spa. Gift cards can be purchased online at www.scruplessalon.com. Two locations, one in Woodbridge, one in Pickering, seven days a week. Second caller, call in. We have a $100 complimentary gift card. It would be a fabulous uh, little gift. Anyways, we're going to commercial, and we'll be right back with Mike Fuda of the L.A. Kings. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. There's an old saying... 
Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's pretty tough to give away uh, contests when you don't give the phone number. So, Naz, uh, can you correct... Uh, and give our give our uh, our listeners the phone numbers to call in for that hundred dollar gift certificate. Four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. The second caller. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's tough sitting on this type this side of the thing. I it's t- I can't even remember to kill the mics or open the mics. And I can forget to give away phone numbers. Anyways, let's get right to uh, Mike Fuda, the vice president of hockey operations, director of player development. For the LA Kings. Good morning, Mike. How are you, gentlemen? How are you? I'm good. I understand you've got uh, you've got some business to take care of this morning. Tell our uh, tell our listeners what's uh, what's going on in the hockey disciplinary world. Well, we hope nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're just uh, we have a call. Uh, Jordan Nolan has a call with uh, a call with the league just to uh, discuss an incident against Detroit. So. Uh, just a phone call, just a phone call where they are obviously worried about the safety of the players and just see how things go. Mike, uh, how is the uh, the hangover from winning the Stanley Cup? Usually, teams go through this. Is are your is your team doing that right uh, now? I don't. I, I I don't think anyway. It's like I mean, we came out of the gate six whatever six one and one. Um, we're probably weren't as good as the Red Jonathan Quick was outstanding and some uh, we've had really. Consistent scoring from only the one line there with the uh, with Carts and uh, the two young kids there, Pearson and Toffoli, and 
we had a very successful homestand. I think we were six and zero at home, and those statistics as far as what we gave up were outstanding. But I think Jonathan Quick had plenty to do with that. Obviously, we've went through some, we've gone through some guys getting banged up here, uh, as everybody does, and uh, there's not a lot of sympathy. You know, we've had a lot of success. You're going on the road. You've got teams that are chopping at the bit to get a hold of you, and uh, you know we've had some slow starts here, and uh, you know a little bit of lack of discipline, taking a lot of penalties on this road trip against some really good teams and uh you know we've paid the price for it so we're we're in carolina this afternoon hoping to right the ship here we're we're getting uh you know we're starting to get slowly get some bodies back we've basically been out with without our top line here for a while with gabby and Kopi being out and obviously the hole on the back end created with slava slava not being active so uh trevor lewis just got back in the lineup and i think Kopi's back today so we got some work ahead of us. Carolina won their first game last night, so they'll be chomping at the bit. And we're uh, we're looking forward to the game this afternoon. We're talking to Mike Fuda, Vice President of Hockey Operations for the Los Angeles Kings. Mike, uh, you're regarded as one of the bright minds in hockey nowadays and one of the architects of the Los Angeles Kings. And for a lot of people, one of the uh, L.A. Kings is certainly a model franchise in today's NHL. And you've been in the thick of some controversy in the in the local area not not of your making but Don Cherry has been really uh, complimentary towards you and what you do toward with the LA Kings and less complimentary about uh, how the Toronto Maple Leafs run their side of things and we're, we're not going to ask you to comment on that because I know you won't but the LA Kings uh, is there a culture there is there something that you guys do differently uh, uh, what is it that what is it that makes you guys successful in Los Angeles Oh, well, I'll tell you. For one thing, Dean Lombardi. Dean Lombardi had a, you know, he did an amazing job when he was in San Jose with regards to building. And uh, when when he hired myself and uh, really put the team together uh, with Mark Yannetti and our scouting staff and and the pro staff, it was all about that. Was really the term he used. He wanted to recreate. He had to establish a culture. There was no culture in Los Angeles with regards to an identity for the team. And uh, he said, "If you want, you know, if you want to win, and I guess a team that everybody at the time was modeling themselves that would be Kenny Holland and the Detroit Red Wings, as far as a team that just had established the culture that that's where, that's where guys wanted to be, that's where players wanted to go if they wanted to win Stanley Cups, and in Los Angeles was where guys wanted to go if they wanted to get a tan and play hockey and enjoy the, you know, enjoy the incredible lifestyle that the sunshine in the West Coast can provide and." And not that there wasn't some great hockey players that gone to the system, but there, other than the, you know the Gretzky era and the incredible Triple Crown line, there wasn't a huge history of uh, you know a winning culture, etc. So uh, he talked about establishing a type of player that we want to draft. We wanted to have a bigger team that was tough to play against. It was uh, Terry Murray came in and did a wonderful job of really building a defensive atmosphere and. And uh, and moving the club along, teaching them how to play, you know, responsible defense. Um, there were already some great pieces in place. I mean, before I got there, with regards to, you know, at the time, Jonathan Bernier was kind of the anointed uh, goaltender, and Jonathan Quick was a little further down the ladder, and Quickie kind of leveled that off. And we had two great goaltenders there, and they had drafted Andre Kopitar was in place. Um, we wanted to start at the back end. I've always said that if you're going to have a really bad year in suck, it's nice to know that the prize is going to be is, is a phenomenal year. And the year we were worst, you know, it was a Stamp Coast Dowdy sweepstakes, and we were fortunate to get a pillar on the back end that drew. 
and, and then we just we built around it. I mean, uh, obviously being based in Ontario, there's a lot said about how many Ontario kids we have on our roster. I was fortunate enough to be a you know to be a big part of the Ontario Hockey League and learn from a lot of great people there, and actually get a chance to coach and be around a lot of these guys that we currently have in the Kings with my involvement with the under 17 program. So little bit of maybe a little bit of insider trading knowing the kids very well that we were drafting and, and establishing along with the great job that you know that yank and our group did so we were able to draft a, you know some larger guys uh, really build around uh, you know the back end through the draft and got our point to we could start to add from the outside our core was all our own they were all drafted players our stars were our own players our own drafted players and then you know, we added to it. Dean made the big trade in 12 to, to add, uh, you know, well, he first he added Green and Stoll, which kind of were like, they were our core as far as leadership. And then, uh, you know, to be able to help Brownie out in the dressing room. And then he made the big trade for Carts uh, along the way there, which, you know, added to our scoring. And then last year, you know, it was the same thing to be able to add Gabby down the stretch run for another stick that can put the puck in the net. It's, it's just kind of just added pieces to our core that was built from within through the draft. And, and it was, Dean was clearly the architect and we were, you know, responsible for drafting and some great trades were made and, you know, some that didn't work out, but for the most part, we had established a culture of a big heavy team. That's really, really hard to play against. And it's more built for a playoff run. Uh, sometimes it's not all that pretty during the regular season, but, Clearly, when Daryl Sutter was added to the mix, it was the final piece of our identity as far as a team that's very, very difficult, very conscious defensively, holds you accountable, play you hard, run you down on the corners, a puck possession team. But there was, he kind of had a little bit more ability to give them the offensive creativity to show their stuff when it comes to putting pucks up in the net. So it's been a lot of fun, that's for sure. I want to know about um, a player that you probably followed in the OHL, and he's uh, currently with the Leafs, Sam Carrick. Can you tell me a bit about him? Well, I'll tell you, it was a nice, it's a nice story just to, you know, obviously he was a Brampton Battalion for ages and Stan Butler did a wonderful job with him and just any time, and it's not beating to death. I mean, I've heard, I've, I get my jokes. I mean, I'm a Toronto Maple Leaf fan growing up. I grew up in Toronto. And obviously, you know, you want to see, it was, hey, I've got my Daryl Sittler and Mike Palmatier jersey in my, <laughs> in my closet at home too. But it's, it's it, you know, it, it's it's not an easy thing. It's it's, an, it's a tough environment sometimes to succeed in. And it's just, it's very nice to see a local guy. It's the same thing with like Stuart Percy, kids that grew up in Toronto. It's the same kind of pressure in our situation. I mean, we're, we're, we're an LA-based team that's loaded with Ontario kids. But, I mean, there's always, there's, there's pressures down there as well to, you know, why'd you pass on the California kid? How nice, how nice would it be to have a, how nice would it be to have a Los Angeles-based kid playing at home too? So it's 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 good for them for Carrick to to find. I mean, he's obviously persevered for a lot. He's played in the minors. He's paid his dues, and you know, obviously last night to get a to get a crack against the Hawks was good to see. I mean, I was I was holed up in my Carolina Carolina hotel room here. Uh, the guys went over to watch Arizona and uh, Arizona played against. Um, the the Canes last night, and I uh, I stayed at home to get my leaf fixed. <laughs> I got to ask you, uh, Mike, um, and this this goes back to what you guys are doing right, and it comes down, and I I always focus in on two players, L.A. Kings, and we've talked about these guys on the show a couple of times, and they were really in, important ingredients in your Stanley Cup run last year. Tanner Pearson, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, they seem to be emblematic of what the L.A. Kings are doing right. Tanner Pearson 
is now, I think, fourth in goals so far this season. Tyler Toffoli, fifth in points. Tanner Pearson, undrafted for two years. You guys got him 30th in 2012. Tyler Toffoli, second round, 47th pick. Tell me, tell me how you guys discover these guys. How is it? What do you see that somebody else doesn't see? Uh, you don't. For everybody sees them. It's a matter of why do you, you get take. them? I mean, uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's again. I've I've known both families very well. They're both unique cases. Um, Tanner's a kid that I mean, sometimes in the scouting business, you don't have to. You have to not worry about. Uh, you know, it, it looking like you've made a mistake. And if you take somebody that's gone through the draft twice in the first round, it looks like you're identifying that you missed them or you made a mistake. And, you know, how did you miss them? Like we had time, we could have taken Tanner Pearson in the seventh round the year before he was on our invite list. And I didn't think he was where he needed to be at from a conditioning standpoint and, uh, addressed it with him. Uh, I knew the family very well. And I felt that he came back the following year and, He'd addressed a lot of his needs. He was having a great year with the Colts. So, to, to, you know, to look at Dean, who, you know, has basically handed the keys to the car with the draft over to myself and Mark and our staff for the last, you know, five years and just, just tell him, yeah, this kid is somebody that we're comfortable taking in the first round. And, uh, you know, to come off a Stanley Cup and be picking that late and having someone stare at you in the face that clearly is a little bit less of projection because he's an older player. He's actually... You know, he was a couple of years older than the kids that were being drafted, and knowing that we've got an incredible development team in Los Angeles that's going to get to the, the perceived deficiencies that Tanner had with his skating, and you're going to be able to challenge him about his conditioning, and he's going to respond. You know, we were fortunate. We ended up taking him with the last pick. You know, you get a lot of criticism, like, wow, why would you take a guy that wasn't drafted? And it's like, well, because he's he's identified his weaknesses in, in areas that everybody, they all have their weaknesses, and, and he's addressed them. And uh, he's obviously come out of the gate, you know, in an incredible fashion. Last year, he and Toff came up and provided an incredible, you know, boost of energy and some offense when it was needed. And I think Jeff Carter's been an amazing role model. And the speed that that line, the puck flies off all their sticks. There's a, there's, there's a lot of there to, you know, to be a, another offensive threat with regards to when, you know, the Kopitar Gabrick line. So it, it was good. And Toff, uh, Tyler Toffoli is a kid, obviously. His dad is a, just a wonderful family. Uh, it's one of those hockey hockey stories. The dad was the manager of his team everywhere he's been growing up, junior Canadians, etc. And Tyler, everybody just slammed his skating. He'd score 60 goals a year, 70 goals a year, and everybody said, yeah, but he can't skate, he can't skate. And he's just done everything everything necessary. He First of all, he hadn't grown up yet. I mean, everybody was at the rink to watch McFarland play, and kind of he became a, a a guy in the background and Tyler just kept working and working and working and working and got himself in shape where now he's not only skating is an issue. He's actually a fast NHL player. And uh, again, it's, it's a very short period of success that they've had, but knowing these two kids and the work they're going to put in, it's only going to get better. And then we're fortunate. And it's again, to, to win cups at an early age and see that, you know, they were both kind of told at the end of last year that if you come back smelling the roses, think you're already established with Daniel Sutter as your coach, it's going to be a firm kick in your ass. And they both worked their tails off as though they didn't have the success they had last year. And obviously coming out of the gate early, they're starting to reap the rewards of really putting in the time in the gym in the summer. And that's a credit to them. And it's a huge bonus for our organization. Uh, McFarland, you brought up McFarland. That's an interesting name. Uh, he was kind of touted uh, the best player uh, going into the OHL. What happened to him, Mike? 
No, I, and I'm not. It's not a knock at all. It's just an incredibly skilled kid, and I'm I'm just alluding to the fact that that uh, he ended up going first overall in the OHL draft, and I think he's still playing pro hockey. But he, when he went in to watch the junior Canadians in in their in their younger days, that's who that's who the people were raving at as the next one, as far as the numbers he was putting up, and and Tyler was always kind of second fiddle in that team. So uh, it's. Yeah, he's an incredibly skilled kid. I think he had a pretty good junior career. I know he went in the second round to Florida, but I'm not sure exactly where he's playing now. But I think he's again, playing in the it's, ECHL. It's not, but yeah, yeah. Well, it's, but it's not a it's not so much a knock on John. Like it's just a it's everything we put. Sometimes we get so caught up in in who's going to be the next one and putting all the pressure on who the next one and who how obvious it is when they're random or minor midget who the next star is that we forget about some of these other guys that are putting in all the work that just find a way to creep up to the top and and put together nice stories of their own and I know the the, the humble family that the Foley's are was nice the other night even although it wasn't a good result for us I saw them in uh, Detroit there and to see his family sitting in the crowd and see him score that shorthanded goal and his mom almost hit the roof of Joe Lewis jumping up and down it's pretty nice to see so some good stories with some good families. Mike, uh, the draft used to be 20 years old and our next guest the Hall of Famer Steve Shutt is going to be with us right after you uh, when they drafted back then, they drafted at 20 years old. Are, is 18 too early to tell, or is it the right age? No, I'm comfortable with it. It's, I mean, the bottom line is the, the players are out there. Um, it's, it's obviously there's less rounds now. Um, there's a lot of kids that are developing late, and you're getting as free agents. I think we kind of started a little bit of a trend there with Wayne Simmons. Of taking um, taking kids that have gone through the draft high, um, like it used to be, you'd kind of hope you get them as invites or get them as later. And then, I mean, again, if you believe in these kids and you step up up on them early, you know, you take the best player regardless of his birth certificate. And uh, and I think that's good. Some kids are going to develop physically at different stages. Sometimes the light bulb goes off a little later on how hard you've got to work to be a pro. And whether you're going to do the intangibles that are, are necessary to be an NHL player, but I see uh, after traveling with the team extensively here last year in the playoffs and certainly this past week, and seeing that the lifestyle that these guys lead and the professionalism that they show, it's certainly worth putting in the hours to get yourself to this level. That's no question about it. Mike, uh, uh, we want to thank you for taking the time on a Sunday morning. Uh, uh, welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Have, uh, we wish the Kings a great season, except when they're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, good luck at, uh, at this uh, hearing this morning. And uh, once again, thanks. Uh, we really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. Our pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Anyways, that was Mike Fuda, Director of Hockey Operations, Direct, uh, sorry, Vice President of Hockey Operations, Director of Player Development for the LA Kings, and certainly one of the bright minds in hockey nowadays, and uh, has him and Dean Lombardi and the staff uh, with the LA Kings have done a fantastic job. Next, we have a gentleman, Hall of Famer. Uh, brings back so many great memories uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, I remember him from his days earlier than that. And we used to go down to the Gardens, Naz, and sitting in the greens for 50 cents and watch Steve Shutt play for the Toronto Marley, some great Toronto Marley teams in the late 60s and early 70s. And certainly our privilege to have Steve Shutt with us this morning. Good morning, Steve. Okay. I uh, was still trying to get Steve on the line. Uh, he should be with us shortly. I uh, remember those days in the late uh, late 60s, Naz, uh, Toronto Marlies? 
Oh, Steve I remember, Shutt. yeah, late 60s, early 70s. He was drafted in 72 by Montreal, fourth overall, and uh, he was quite a quite a great hockey player. Um, terrific ser- player. Terrific player, and uh, interesting stat about Steve Shutt. Uh, okay, we've got Steve on the line. Steve? Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we, we just uh, we just gave you a fantastic introduction. Unfortunately, you missed it. But uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, we're having... <laughs> so I'll, I'll just recap very, very quickly for you, Steve. Uh, you know, we, Naz and I are old enough to remember uh, some fantastic games you played at the Maple Leaf Gardens with the Toronto Marlies in the uh, early, uh, sorry, early, late 60s and early 70s. I, I hate to date us, uh, Steve, so please accept my apologies, Uh I brought up age last week with Joe Bowen, and he uh, he wasn't too thrilled about it. But <laughs> well, you guys got to be getting up there in age if you watch me play junior hockey. We, yeah, wa- we, we watch uh, we watch you play junior. I remember we used to I used to try and get the the low green seats because they were the best seats in the house for I can't remember if it was fifty cents or a buck, but uh, it was certainly some fantastic hockey and. Uh, yeah, you could get the red seats at that time for two bucks. For two bucks, but that was a little bit too pricey for us, so uh, we, we'd well, go we up to the greens. Well, because it cost you thirty cents for the subway to get down. There. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's I don't think it even. To be honest with you, Steve, I think it costs less than thirty cents, but that's fine. <laughs> tell us what uh, we're, we're we're thrilled to have you on this morning, Steve, and uh, tell us uh, what Steve shut up to nowadays. Uh, right now, well, actually, for the last uh, 16 years, I've been working with um, a fr- refrigeration company called uh, Simcoe Refrigeration. We do um, all of the uh, refrigeration for ice rinks. So we've done uh, 16 of the last uh, 18 NHL buildings. Uh, we did all of the Olympics uh, events in Vancouver, and we also uh, designed and manufactured the um, the skid for the outdoor rinks. So we basically put a, a refrigeration skid and put it on an 18-wheeler. So it travels around uh, to all the different all the different towns that that uh, the, that the league plays their uh, the outdoor games in. So I've been doing that for 16 years um, and just moved. Oh well, just moved two years ago. We just moved down to uh, Sarasota. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, the there's an outdoor game with San Jose and L.A., I think, in February sometime. Would you be, guys be responsible for that, uh, that yeah. game? Yeah. Well, we did the what, – what, what we did with them is, is we actually designed it, uh, uh, built it, and then when, uh, when it goes out, you know, during that game, uh, we will send a couple of the techs there for, you know, probably uh, two or three weeks. all depends how long they – all, all depends how long, you know, they want the ice out there. But, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll help the NHL out there, as, as well as Dan Craig, because Dan the, is, the, is the ice man of the NHL. Uh, but we're, I guess we're the back door to him. <laughs> Steve, I want to ask you about, and our listeners may not remember, but you're, you're obviously in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you scored 60 goals, I believe, in 76 or 77, one of those two years. And that stood as the mark for most goals by a left winger up until Luke Robitaille uh, broke it in, in, in the early 90s. So you had the record for almost 17 or 18 years. And you were certainly a fantastic uh, fantastic hockey player. But uh, the Montreal Canadiens of, of the 70s were uh, just a phenomenal team. And what, what was it, aside from talent... Uh, the obvious talent that made made 
the 1970s Montreal Canadiens such a fantastic team? Mm. Well, you know, first of all, there was a, there was a um, you know we did have a really really good team and a lot of talented guys. I think there we have eight, nine, ten guys in the Hall of Fame from from that team. Uh, but you know, at that time there was no salary cap and uh, you know no free agency. So uh, you know Sam Pollock and and his staff could could put a team together and that team would stay together for a long time. And that's the reason why there were so many dynasties. You know, there would be us, and then we went into the uh, to the Islanders, and then into the Oilers, uh, just just because of no free free agency. Um, but that was part of it. Uh, the other part of it was that you know the players the players that we had there uh, were not only not only great players, but they were they were good teammates, and you know everybody was treated pretty much the same. You know, whether you were a fourth liner or a first a first liner really didn't really make that much of a difference you know everybody had their personalities and and uh it was it was a real era where where uh we were a real team and i think that had a lot to do with it as well uh steve I've got, i was talking to steve shut uh legendary montreal canadian in toronto marlboro uh there's one individual i i just have to ask you about and we actually interviewed him on the show about four weeks ago, uh, obviously the greatest hockey coach of all time, Scotty Bowman. And um, what was it like playing for Scotty Bowman? What made him such a great coach? <laughs> it's funny because oh. I go and retire, and Scotty's right down here in Longboat Key with me. He's about <laughs> half an hour from my house. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually, you know, the, the, the strength of Scotty is... is the, he's been able to change with the game, um, and you know when he coached us in the seventies, uh, you know the coach had the iron grip. Um, you know he was the taskmaster, um, and he could you know he could really bulldog everybody. Uh, when as he coached and he went into Pittsburgh, um, you know the the role of the coach changed a little bit, where you just couldn't do that anymore. And so, uh, as they say, his great strength was he was he was saying, okay, if I can't do it this way, then I'll do it another way. And he did the same thing in in, in Detroit. Uh, but when he coached us, uh, it, I'll I'll tell you the one thing though he he lives and breathes hockey. And there was one thing that you knew that you were not going to get out coached with Scotty. Um, he'd be on the bench. And how it is now, you have everybody, you know, teams uh, will have guys up in, in the press box and, and <clears throat> they'll be viewing everything and they'll be, you know, face-offs, ones and lost and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? He has it already figured out in his head. And he knows who's, who's hot um, and who's hot against the, the other team. And he's got that thing all figured out, and he did it right in his own head. He didn't need anything, you know, up on top, anybody up on top telling him. And uh, I think that anybody that that ever played under him, what they did, they never questioned uh, Scotty behind the bench as being the best bench coach uh, in the history of the NHL. That's a big compliment, and he deserves it definitely. 
Uh, we were, we had Mike Food on, who was the player VP of uh, player development for the Kings, and I asked him a question about uh, the draft. You got drafted uh, at 20 years old because back then they were drafting at 20, and then they reduced it to 18, and probably in the late 70s. Well, that happened uh, after they went to the WHA. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. uh, did you feel that you could have played in the NHL at 18 years old back then? Um. Uh... I would say no, um, and and uh, you know, and, and if you look at my career, it's it's you know the first two years really that I played with the Canadians uh, really didn't play that much, um, which were actually as as pretty frustrating for me. But as I moved on in my career, I uh, realized that that helped me. Uh, it turned me into a complete hockey player. You know, I was never. Uh, I was never, you know, like a Bob Gainey defensively, but if I was going to get on that ice with Scotty, <laughs> I was going to know in my own end who I had to check. And so it really made me more of a complete player. Um, you know, the thing is right now you're getting, um, you know, the young kids that are coming in right now are getting much better coaching um, than, than we ever had. And, uh, you know, it's no disrespect to the, the coaches that I had, but it was uh, from, from Pee Wee up, you know, you're getting much better coaching uh, than, than we ever had. And so as a result, some of these kids that are 18, or these, a lot of the kids that are 18 years old um, can make that jump. Because not only can they, they do it, um, you know, with talent-wise, but also mentally too. You know, they've got uh, people surrounding them that that kind of protect them a little bit uh, and let them still be kids and develop into it. So I think there's a much better uh, network now than than there ever was. You know, I remember when we when they went down to an 18 year uh, the 18 year old draft. Uh, probably the first five years, uh, it ruined. Most uh, a lot of the guys, because uh, they just weren't ready for it. Uh, the teams didn't know how to handle these these kids, and so what they did is they they used them in their marketing brochures that this is going to be the next uh, the next great player, and it it put it it put them into uh, expectations that they could never you know they could really could never uh, uh, could never uh, achieve. And as a result, uh, these guys lost confidence, and, and basically a lot of them lost their careers. Uh, we're talking to Steve Shutt. Uh, Steve, we've got a couple of minutes left. I, I want to ask you, uh, you played uh, on uh, some of the w- most well-known lines of the 70s, both with the Marlies and with the Montreal Canadiens. With the Marlies, you had Billy Harris and Dave Gardner, is probably one of the top OHL lines of all time. And with the Habs, uh, you were on Lafleur, and at times you had Lemaire, and at times I guess you may have had Peter Mahovlich. Uh, yeah, some pretty good players. You play, yeah. you play with some pretty good players. What, what, uh, what makes a great hockey line? Um, I think what makes a great hockey line is um, the players themselves. You have to give up something to let to let another, you know, your your line mate shine. Um, like for example, when when I guess I guess the perfect the perfect uh, example would be when I played with. Lafleur and um, and Lemaire. You know, it wasn't gonna do. If I started carrying the puck, 
then LaFleur couldn't do what he did best. Um, so basically, he would carry the puck. I would be the shooter, and Lemaire would be the defense. He'd be the guy hanging in the uh, in the deep slot, so if we lost the puck, then he would be the man back to, to work the defense. Um, so that's kind of what we did. You know, one of the problems we had when when we started our line with, with Peter, Peter Mahovlich, who was a great player, and by the way, I still think should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, it, yeah, people know, forget how great... Once started playing up to, you know, Guy Lafleur standards, the problem we had on the line was both of them had to have the puck to do their job. Both of them were puck carriers. So, you know, that's where, that's where the problem came in. So everybody on a line has got a different job to do uh, or a primary job, and that's how you have to blend in with the line. Yeah, you, I mean, interesting you mentioned Peter Mahovlich. I always thought that he never got the recognition that he deserved. He was one of the greats in the 72 uh, series with, uh, with the Soviet Union and, uh, you know, was a key part of so many Montreal Canadian uh, Stanley Cup triumphs, and uh, I echo your comments. Anyway, Steve, unfortunately, our time has run short. I'm sitting here, and I'm, and I'm, I'm in, uh, envisioning that I'm sitting at Maple Leaf Gardens in 1970, sitting in the low greens watching the Toronto Marlies, and Steve Schutz going up the ice and taking a slap shot and putting it in the corner. Certainly some fantastic memories. Uh, Naz, you want, want to yeah, say something? Yeah, there's one thing I have to say. We've been pro- promoing you as a guest on this show today, and uh, the reaction with uh, people in the uh, around is that everybody liked you. Like, you were a Montreal Canadian, but the Toronto Maple Leaf fans love you too. Like, it was one, it's one of those things, right, that usually that's not the case. I'll tell you with a little story. Um, you know, I, I obviously I lived in Montreal for a lot of years, and then when I joined Simcoe, <clears throat> I had to move back to Toronto. So I'm walking down the street, and a uh, guy looks at me, and he says, Steve Shot." So, you know, I'm kind of used to that. Yeah, I said, hi, how are you doing? He says, Toronto Marlies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I wasn't used to. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we... For all those years, it was like, uh, <clears throat> even in Toronto, it's like they, they still remember the Marley days. Yeah, we, it, there, certainly some fantastic memories from Steve. Listen, Steve, we appreciate that. Uh, appreciate this, sorry. Uh, and we hope you come and uh, talk to us another time again. We'd love to follow up with this. Okay, anytime, guys. Thanks, Steve. Our Take pleasure. Care. Steve Shutt, uh, Toronto Marley legend and uh, Montreal Canadian Hall of Famer. Certainly some fantastic memories. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll go on a break, and we'll be right back with Sean Clement. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when my wife accused me of having an affair. How could I tell her that I was hopelessly in love with extra thin crust pizza from Pizzaville? I didn't ask for this to happen. It was so thin, so delicate, so delicious. I can't bear to share it with my wife. She wants me to see a counsellor, but I don't want to share it with him either. Call Pizzaville for an extra thin crust pizza at 736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. 
At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour live from Liberty Village. Certainly some interesting interviews with Mike Fuda and Steve Shutt and uh, this morning Naz and we're going to take a little bit of a different twist. It uh, looks like a fantastic day out there. The sun is shining and we can talk a little bit of golf. In the house this morning with us, Sean Clement and also Connor O'Shea, the Director of Instruction at Piper's Heath. They've come down to Liberty Village to talk about a brand new initiative a uh, million new golf or tell us all about that tell us about the twitter and tell us what you guys are up to in this initiative do you want to go connor yeah sure go ahead um, buddy so a million new golf is this idea that uh we can use modern day social platforms like vine twitter uh, to interact and create a million new golfers uh, golf is on the decline uh and we want to just kind of break down those emotional barriers and make it easier to introduce great content to people that could be excited about golf and hopefully um, encourage current golfers to get their friends to try the game out through us. That's it. When uh, when Connor uh, contacted me, we went for a coffee at Starbucks, and uh, uh, I've noticed with my YouTube videos, a lot of my students would put it on their phones and go to the driving range with the videos on the phone, and I'm going, okay, this is where everything is going. And it has to be portable. It's got to be instant. It's got to be with you. And, um, and, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm gladly hopping on board with Connor. Uh, very fresh, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's in touch with the youthful uh, side of things. And, um, you know, with, with my experience and, and his uh, energy, uh, I think we made a great, we make a great uh, partnership. You know, both of you guys, I know, because I, I tend to follow what's going on in golf in Canada, and you're both uh, in positions where you're you're uh, you're in the pulse of what's happening in golf. Uh, you bet, Connor. You're at Piper's Heath, and 
you know, everybody knows about Piper's Heath. It's, it's a well-known course. It's, we hear the advertisements. And you're at Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center, and you're doing some fantastic work on YouTube, Sean Clement. And we've talked about that yep. you know, all season long. And, you know, there's various, uh, you hear these comments every now and then that golf's in a state of crisis. Is golf in a state of crisis, guys? Um, I, you know, it depends on how you look at that. I think, um, you know, the common the reasons that they say people are the golf is in a state of crisis is, you know, it takes a lot of time and there's a lot of money. But t- people take that same money and that same amount of time and they go to a Blue Jays game or they go to a Raptors game or they go to a Leafs game. I think uh, because they know that they're going to have a great time when they go. Um, golf is a game you can play your whole life. It's challenging, uh, but the fact that it's challenging is what makes it so rewarding. So, yeah. you know, can, again, when me and Sean got together, the, the main question is, can we get people excited about uh, the idea that they can go to the driving range? Like, we can be, the, the, the driving range is the gateway drug to the game of golf, which you can play for your whole life, and it's, it's going to give you unbelievable experiences with your friends and family, but you got to get people to go to the driving range first. So can we... Um, use the the platforms and the mediums that people are on every day to get them yeah. excited about the game. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and in my end of things, I see so many people in the corporate world being invited to these events and they, they, they don't feel up to going because they don't want to make a fool out of themselves and they don't have enough experience. And and this is the perfect platform for them. And we, we got, I mean, you heard the analogies this summer, right? The grass whip and, uh, you know, driving a nail into a door frame. And these are some, you know, so many things that people already associate with. And then when you apply it to golf and see that ball soar into the air and hear the fizz and feel that compression of the ball, I mean, it is a drug. It's, it's, it's extremely, it's a, you get a huge high out of uh, out of striking a golf ball the proper way and once that happens you want to get on the golf course and you want to see what you can do on the golf course and we we just want to p- get people excited about the game because there's a tremendous amount to be excited about now we're talking about a million new golfers yes sir okay are we talking about uh brand new golfers are we talking about bringing people back to the game that got frustrated by the game all what? of the above walter i mean um, if you look at you know, how many people left the game because they just weren't having any fun? Yeah, they, they're thinking and about why, they're not ha- Why aren't they having fun? Well, why aren't they having fun? Sean? Well, because golf instruction's taken the wrong turn. Uh, we're, we're talking, you know, all these positions to hit, and we're, we're basically puppet masters. We're trying to position you, and we're playing, we're playing a fashion show. We're not playing, you know, deliver an action to a target. It's, it's uh, you know, we, we've gone about it all wrong, and science is, in the last 10 years, science has come out with some amazing research that, that sh- that's pointing us in the right direction. Connor and I are going in that direction. We just got to get on a, on a higher rooftop and, and, and yell at people and really see, you know, show them how easy this game is. How much of a decline is uh, is existing, Connor? You said there's been a decline in golfers. What 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 is the percentage, or what are the numbers? In well, Taylor TaylorMade came out with yeah. their research, and they said we've lost five million golfers in the last ten years. So you yeah, know that's in in uh, not world? Canada worldwide. World, yeah, worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. Okay. So you know that's significant, and if you look at how many golf courses are being you know are closing right now mm-hmm. in, in the state of Florida. Uh, and and uh, in in any state, really, as far as that's concerned, or whatever's being built upon here in this city, um, you know, there's uh, you can see why. So, um, and, and it's mostly attributable to people are not having fun, 
and and I attribute that to and, instruction. And, and we've talked about. I mean, we we started um, uh, with you back in in the early spring, and we did a, quite a few segments on the show. Some some of the things you teach, and we've told people to check it out. At, at and 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 I, you know, I'm I'm I'll declare my conflict. I've been a student of yours, and and uh, I absolutely love your teaching methods, and I encourage. I've encouraged uh, listeners to go to www.wisdomandgolf.com where they can check you out. Uh, your YouTube videos are second to none. Sean Clement, you want to learn something about the game? Thanks, Walter. Uh, uh, please go check it out, uh, Sean Clement at YouTube. Absolutely. And, and then as far as, you, our, you, our, as far as we're concerned. And uh, you guys are running a winter training program. You guys are both in the instruction business. Tell yep. me a little bit about your programs. So Connor. my, my uh, primary focus would be competitive juniors. Um, I'm going to meet at a place called Modern Golf this winter, and I kind of help kids 13 to 18 that want to play college golf in the U.S. and help them navigate that process. Um, so, you know, we start up in a couple of uh, couple of weeks, and then we go all the way through till March, and uh, you know, through the fall, we travel to events in the U.S. So, Sean, what are you up to this winter? We got the, the winter sessions just started last week. Uh, we have a, an amazing crew, uh, a great bunch. Uh, we're going to be investing in a in a launch uh, launch monitor, one of those flight scope launch monitors, so people get to see their ball flight inside as well. We can get we can give them a little bit of information on how they're striking the ball. Already, they know how that how it should feel. And like you have experienced, Walter, I mean, listen, uh, you know, 95% of golfers are, are not going to be able to hit the ball like you can. You can compress the ball, and, and you know what it feels like to really nut a golf ball. And, and I think that's why you have, you have me here on the show, because you want to share that passion and that love with everybody else. I'm a convert. That's it. So yeah. I, I appreciate what you're doing. And I, you know, when, I, when I want to keep up on sports, I definitely go see you guys and listen to you Fantastic. guys. We've got about a minute left here, unfortunately, but uh, just want to recap what we've talked about this uh, this uh, this spring and summer, and uh, and tell us a little bit to, in a in a nutshell. Uh, how can you, if somebody comes to see you yep. to get lessons or talk about golf, what are you going to do to get to make them enthusiastic? Well, like what Connor's doing right now, the best time to work on technique and the best time to develop a game is in the wintertime. And this is where, you know, you can actually rehearse your and rehearse your, your focus and rehearse your, your golf swing. Come springtime, we kick the we, whoever's in the in the in the winter program, we kick them out of there and they're off on their way to play golf. And and that's what I recommend that you do this year. If you're gonna do something with golf, you know, get going now. Go see at Million New Golf on Twitter. Yeah, on you can Twitter, interact with us. We film uh, on Wednesdays, three we th- three shows a week. You know, hit us up with your Twitter questions. Follow us on Vine. Uh, it's a very Vine's a very interesting um, place to storytell. We're doing you know five six second videos about golf. Yeah, fantastic. And it's an opportunity for for the it's Zoomers great. to uh, to get in touch with their. It's a great opportunity. Listen, Sean, thanks for everything you've done for the Nazawali Sports Hour this pleasure. year. And uh, Connor, it's a Thank pleasure. Pleasure meeting you thanks and uh, coming in from Piper's Heath, and thanks so much for sharing your uh, your insights. And uh, we wish you all the best in your uh, in your new initiative, Million New Golf on Twitter. Thanks, Walter. Go thanks, check it out. Spread the word. Anyways, Naz, uh, we got a minute and a half left uh, for this Sunday. We have a contest winner for the hundred dollar gift coupon <clears throat> at uh, Scruple Salon. The winner is Leslie Nemis from Mississauga. 
Leslie Nemes from Mississauga. Leslie, we'll be in touch with you, and we'll make sure that we get that coupon in your hands. Anyways, Naz, you've got uh, a shout-out to an old friend of ours. Wayne Weller, who was a teacher of mine at Emory Junior High School and played on the 1964-65 NCAA Championship Michigan Tech team. They are having a presentation and being put in the Hall of Fame for Michigan Tech next, next weekend. Great feat, and one of his teammates is was Tony Esposito. Wonderful. And uh, we're going to have pictures, and uh, it'll be a lovely time for them next weekend, I'm Anyways, sure. When, Wayne Weller, uh, certainly an old uh, an old friend of ours, Naz, from our, from our school days, and uh, we celebrate his achievements. Also an achievement, we have a sponsor, Steel's Paint. It's Canada's paint store. Uh, Claudio, uh, is, uh, Claudio, the uh, the chief guy up there, is a good friend of ours and sponsor. He's done some fantastic work in the recent past, and we think our listeners should know about that. Uh, he raised almost thirty thousand dollars in his annual campaign for the Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation. Some remarkable work, uh, Claudio. Uh, fantastic stuff, uh, and Mike. Our compliments from the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for your for your charitable work and your community involvement. Once again, we're big supporters of the Foundation Fighting Blindness, www.ffb.ca. Anyways, Naz, that's uh, it for the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for another Sunday. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. Have a great week, everyone. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.